Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. There will always be tension. Everything will come to test who you are. You know, the other day I was talking about how someone had an accident on the express. The man just came out, his first statement was, do you know who I am? Like everybody has to dial up something to threaten you. We look to this thing to find, and so how would you bash my car? You know who I am. And everyone is trying to threaten each other. It speaks to meaning. And meaning is such a loaded word. But I want to walk you through someone in the Bible today who it's a stack. I don't know, think about it. Um, Domain Dose was praying this morning. Dose talked about Solomon. And I've been doing a bit of study in the book of Ecclesiastics for a while. And Marco, go to the next. Okay. Now, this is what the, the, the former, or once upon a time, he was a king in Israel. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Meaningless literally means vapor or breath, or breathless. Vapor, you know what it is? It's like an escape of essence, an escape of, of air. So, he's saying something here. But let me give you the back end to this man's story. Solomon was not just another man. I think wherever you're headed, Solomon has been there and back. Solomon was once upon a time the, the king of Israel. And I could easily say, Israel didn't go to war under his reign. So he lived in peace. Let's look at his life. I'm about to read for you Solomon's CV. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, let's take it from verse 1. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1. Are you guys there? Ecclesiastes 2, chapter 2 from verse 1, it says, I say to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but also prove to be meaning, meaningless. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing fully. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Four, I undertook great projects. Now, I don't know what your great project is, but let's try and imagine for a second that you're trying to do a music album, you're trying to build a house, you're trying to build a school, you're trying to go back for your masters, you're trying to start a business, you're trying to do something. That's what he's saying here. I undertook great projects. I built house, houses for myself and planted vineyards. Now, that's not enough. So think about the best of houses. Solomon had it. Now, when you go on, he says, I planted vineyards. I also planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groove of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves. At the time, slave was a thing. And he had not a few. He said, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. So Solomon had an industry of slaves. All right? And... Um, so there was no shortage of what to do. But keep going. He says, I also owned more heads and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Now, I could even think about it. He's going back to the beginning of time. And this man could have even amassed more wealth than Abraham or anybody else. And he was making a boast of it. So if what was the answer to human problems, Solomon had found that answer. And I dare say, if practical wisdom was the answer, he already had wisdom. Remember the first time God accosted him, God asked him, what did you want from me? What do you want me to give you? He said, give me wisdom. 
And in wisdom, he had wealth and everything. So one would have thought that with wisdom, this man should not be sounding like this. Now let, let's go on. He says, I bought, I also own more herds and flock than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. Now guys, he was having concerts in his house. Solomon, like this was a ball. He had the best, give me the list, A-list artists. They were performing every day in the palace. Still, still A-list? Yeah, she's A-list. All right, she's A-list. Amen. All right, but I, you know, he had this whole thing going on. So imagine that before ever there was a co-hotel having concerts, this guy already figured it out. Now, let me tell you one interesting one. The one that even scared me the most. He said, I acquired male and female singers and a harem. Let's pause for a, cell, for a second. If you don't know what that is, it's like, it's like strippers club on steroids. Now, the king was not just in, like, if Solomon was to have a timetable for all his wives, he won't be able to, he won't be able to service, um, he won't be able to finish the year. Alright? He probably would need three years to ex exhaust it. So, if, 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 and then, think about living with concubines and all of these things. So, sometimes, if you're, pursu if you're pursuing relationship, you're pursuing, it is not always in a relationship. And, you know, if, what is the purpose of life if after school, you know, Topper was saying it, after school, maybe you, after trying three or four times, you finally get admission into university. Suddenly, when you get into university, there's a new hustle. If you are responsible, like the home we came from, they'll say, make first class. By the time you try year one, try year two, and you're not looking like it, you find other purpose. All right? But at the end of the day, you understand clearly that you, after fighting, and unfortunately for some of us who went to federal universities, the system was designed, or state university, it was designed not to help you make first class. So there was, you have to, to swim with the sharks, try not to be their food. And, you, and the lecturers strive in failure. There's only 10% success in my test. You know, there was one, I remember one particular day, a lecturer came to class, and she was teaching, and we said, she said something. She said, where are your classmates? We said, Ma, they went to Jack. You know, I don't know if you know that word. Though. And she said, irresponsible children. Instead of them reading, they are jacking. <laughs> she, she didn't understand. And I remember there was this particular day where we, the lecturer got into class. There was a rumor of strike. So people took off. The man just came in and said, where is everyone? They said, not around. The man said, please, tear paper, put your name and math number. Lock the door. So people were looking for their friends. Come. And people were rushing like trying to make it just in time before rapture. The man was looking at all of them, like, no, no, no. So, I mean, but that's how the system was actually designed. Now, you make a first class, you face the real world. Suddenly, there's a new hustle. Get a job. And your parents would start telling you, meet uncle for CV. Have you sent your uncle? You're not trying hard enough. Have you met that uncle? Why are you, why are you so proud? You should be meeting your uncle. And then you make it through that phase. You make it through that phase in time, and you get into your office. How much am I earning? How much are they earning? Why is the other one earning? Why is the earning? Why is the earning? You're not thinking, I need a raise. And somewhere along the line, you fall in love. Or maybe not. But, <laughs> but somewhere along the line, you figure that the next hustle is get married. Alright? And, and just where you think that, um, okay, you, you find the right person. And you're married. First year, no children. Second year, no children. Third year, no child. And suddenly, the pressure is building. And, you know, people are now looking for a fruit of the womb. You know, Nigerians have actually manufactured an industry called fruit of the womb. So it's actually a thriving one. Where at the end of the day, you, if you make it through that one, suddenly there is a new pressure. You're having to raise a child. Alright? And raising a child, trust me, is a full-time job. And even now that the media 
and the nannies have taken the role of parents. You need to do twice as hard. All right? Everything around you is designed to undermine your parenting. So you have to play the police. So the other day I was even asking myself, why subscribe to Full Bouquet if the guy is only allowed to watch CBs and Jinjang? Because Lily has profiled those two. There is a residue of kingdom. The other ones, there was no residue, no kingdom whatsoever. They are as far as to, they are as close to hell as can possibly be. But I'm saying this to say, if all your life is a treadmill, if all your life is a pursuit after the nest, at what point do you stop? And that's what this man was saying. You get to one bus stop, you find something else. You get to another bus stop, you find something else. Just when you get a job, you start getting into corporate politics. Suddenly, they're trying to get you, someone is trying to outsmart you. You enter that game, and by the time you survive 35 years, you retire. And for some of our parents, they give a clock, an award, a meritorious service of 35 years, a plaque, meritorious service. And that is hanging somewhere in the world. Go to ask your dad, some of you. Go check it out. That is the badge of honor, 35 years of service. And then what next? Die? Life is much more than that. And more, more than anything else, God did not design our lives to be this sequence of events that was just to go through the motion. It's culture. So sometimes if you, you will realize that some people, doesn't, they don't even need school to thrive. But if they don't get into school, their mind will never release them to thrive. They keep feeling like, I need to go back and finish what I did not finish. And even when you give them examples of people who did not have to go to university, yet they built industries. People are not able to reconcile that because your father and mother will say, you remind me of, you know, our parents in Africa, our parents are trying to live their lives vicariously through us. Some of them, things that they didn't attempt or failed to attempt, they've carried it and said, you will be the man. Go ye and, and, and make us proud. So at the end of the day, they get themselves into this competition where they're asking, ah, your son is back from the U US. Uh, your son is not working. Well, I don't know what he's doing these days. I hear Ibo, I smell Ibo <laughs> around the window. You know, an average African, because why? They are using you as a gauge, all right? Sometimes they, they, a lot of them outsource their meaning to their children. And when they outsource their meaning to their children, they put a lot of pressure on you to become their source of and their meaning and their significance. So your wedding is their wedding. They will hijack it. Because at the end of the day, you will not embarrass me. So when you bring the idea, it's going to be intimate 30. They say, you and who intimate in this town of Ashevi, there's a list. You know, I, I remember I, 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 in our own wedding, one of our parents actually went and printed ivies and said, since you people are talking rubbish, we will see how this is going to go down. <laughs> you know, we had actually a portion that each parent will get like 50 ivies. So half the time at the wedding, I was seeing faces, oh, I'm, the, I'm your relative, the cousin for the, oh yeah, thank you, the cousin, oh yes, thank you, thank you. You are so much pressure. But why? Our parents have taken upon themselves a tax that was never given to them. Now, let's go on this. To the slides. Now, see what he's saying. Meaningless, meaningless, all things are meaningless. Rich man, wealthy man, wise man, no shortage of women. All right? For those guys who think that, um, you know, I have this friend who wants to um, try to convince himself that monogamy is alien to the African man. You know, I don't know if you've made that argument. That is very alien to the African mother. Let's face it, our parents had three or four wives, and they, our grandparents and our parents before them, they lived happily ever after. You know, don't try that in this world. You will crack. First of all, it was an economic decision because they needed more people to farm. So they were basically, they were basically building an industry, but they didn't know how else. There was no delegation. There was no collaboration. There was no partnership. All they needed to do was the more the, more the merrier. They were acquiring labor, women as labor, and children as factories. 
And so you don't understand that. And some, some, some people are saying, no, it is now in our nature to cheat. Because if our fathers did with two, three wives, the white man came with a God and an idea. And the God told us monogamy is the way and everybody's struggling. Can't you see all the men are struggling? <laughs> Haven't you heard that? So people would basically redefine anything to find meaning in something. Let's go to the next. Yeah. Now, I want us to check. Marco, do you take away that quote? Okay. No, let's go to, let's go to the next. The queen of pop in the 80s. Now, let's see her own um, ecclesiastic moment. Everyone must have had it. If you haven't had it, yes, you, you would have. I came close at the night of that election. A little decision. Where are the people? You understand? You honestly say, this Nigeria, you fix yourself. All right, but but this is what this is what this is what this is what Madonna said. Said, I have an iron wheel, and all my life has always been to conquer some horrible feelings of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre, and that's always pushing me, pushing me because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove. I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Do you know many people are still at this point? When you see them, you celebrate the stardom, you celebrate the fame, you celebrate the fortune, but trust me, when you go back to them, behind the blinds and the closed doors, they are broken, deeply insecure people, manipulated by their insecurities. They can't just, you know, I remember there was a particular friend, you know, at 21, I thought I was going to be married. <laughs> you understand? I, I, honestly, do you know? I don't know what I don't know what happened. I I thought I was actually going to imagine now how I did it. How do you know? Some days I ask myself, how much don't we know now? And yet you feel you know, you know. So, but I remember there was a time I had I had this conversation. I noticed that whenever we're in the crowd, her mood will change. My friend in question, you understand her mood? Like if you are chatting, with, just greet another lady. Just be kind. You have to fix it. There has to be an explanation for why you are kind. So there was this pressure, but then I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that some people can be broken in the way of trust. All right? But at the end of the day, people are manipulated by their insecurities. And when you meet them, you think that they build a wall so you can't come in. And that wall is not a reflection of your own worth. It's a reflection of their own insecurities. But sometimes you project it on yourself that why am I getting a wall? Now, see her point here. This woman was the biggest pop artist, at least a female pop artist in the 80s and 90s. And yet she, she would go to, this is 2008's Vanity Fair. Almost 20 years of her career, Bloom. One of the richest, if not, one of, if not the richest about this time. I remember two years ago, they put her as one of the uh, richest female. But she's dealing with this. Let's see what Wallace said. I stumbled on this article. Now, David Fastforster Wallace said, because here is something else that is weird but true. He's an atheist. He's actually one of the prominent atheists, although he had this flirting idea that God might exist, but he was a rooted atheist. But this day, he wrote this thing um, that actually stood out for me. He said, here's something else that is weird but true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. He says, there is, no such thing, there is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. If you worship money and things, if they, if they are where you tap your real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It is the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grief you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Unfortunately for David, he killed himself in his 40s. 
he stumbled on this thing, he captured it so eloquently that there is something inside of man. We are all wired for worship. Like God created us, designed us, built us for worship. And whenever we, you cannot not worship. The question is, what are you worshiping? You might not know anything that you pursue with that fervor, that intensity. Check your football club, you might not understand. The night you lose, what is your mood? You understand? You don't even understand that that is something, that night your, your mood is all broken. You understand? Nobody can say anything to you. What you don't understand is that depth of worship, that affection is something that has also been perverted. Alright? So he's, he's saying that when you derive, you know, there's, a, there's, there's sort of like, a, these days, if you haven't noticed, I have. A lot of the ladies in Lagos are looking alike. You understand? And I know that God is, God is generous. And God has been kind from the beginning of time. But these days, people are manufacturing beauty. From Aja to wherever, you find even in Lekki Phase 1, people are, are even, people are buying dimples. You understand? They're buying dimples, honestly. This thing that God gave, I should sell it. Because I don't need it, I can monetize. But my point is, people are selling it. People are buying. So right now, some people, someone even told me that you can only go three times. This particular place, they chisel things. All right? And um, so, the past, this, there was a situation where someone has outused out her lifeline. And the person is still in her 30s. But my point is, why are people under that pressure to, to craft this image? And when inside of them, everything is broken and empty. What's going on here? This man killed himself in his 40s, knowing all he knew that something in man is yearning for worship. Let's go. Well, here is what I started to unpack when it came to me. I, I kind of looked for a couple of definitions that could drive our conversation. One of them is the essential significance of some concept or quality. Essential significance. The second one is having a sense of purpose, significance, and value. Now, ultimately, wherever you get your deepest uh, your value from, wherever you get your significance from and your purpose from, you're already answering the question of meaning. If you find it in your career... You understand that your, your value comes from the job you do. Your value comes from the money you earn. Every day, every, every broke day in your life, you become suicidal. Because the money is your worth. The money is your value. And if you understand that the money is your significance, you, you, you are what you drive. You're where you live. All of these are the things that we do in Lagos. And Lagos is an, Lagos is an idol factory. So meaning is always, we're pursuing meaning. And if you don't understand something about Lagos, people came from different parts to make it. So here in Lagos, if you came from just, you came with your, with your, hanging with your guitar. You came, there was a plan that year. And maybe if you came from worry, you came with your, 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 your laptop. There was a plan that year. But sometimes you settle into the city and this fame becomes an illusory pursuit. Um, your reach always seems to exceed your grabs of it. And you now start asking God, when, how, why? But unfortunately, many people get to this point when the rubber hits the road and they are just one dial away from it. But it requires that they give up who they are. They make that choice there and then. Potiphar's wife's bed becomes a comfort and the palace they never get to. Because at that point in time, the purple, the, their eyes and their ideas are colored. Let's, let's look at the very, meaning, the, the very meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning. Now, in case you don't know, there is a popular, there's something called secular humanism. And the concept of secular humanism is that man is the ultimate, man is. So every person must manufacture their meaning. So meaning is not something, it's actually me, myself, and I. 
And there's an entire industry that is built on that. I can tell you the crack because I, I, that industry, I was there for a while. So the point is, you, you think that you're cracking it, all right? But you get to a point, you realize self can never be the ultimate. If you live for self, you realize that there's only so much you can go. So the me, myself, and I, secular humanism, you know what they say? They say you cannot, you are, don't, don't bother about discovering yourself. Create yourself. So all the concept of beauty is no matter how God made you, recreate yourself. And then there is a, there is a bit of truth to that, but it's also very borderline um, dangerous because you could spin it anyway. And then they tell you with meaning, don't look for meaning. Manufacture your meaning. And people are doing that. And the tragedy is that if we are Christians and we come into the gospel and we don't understand this, we can bring the same tension from the world into the church. So we now grapple. The, can't you see the, the, the rate of divorce in marriage in, outside the church is about the same thing as in the church. The rate of depression, the highest selling drug today. No, no, the antidepressants. It depends on your drug of choice. And, and for, for the records, if you go to places like, um, like um, um, if you go to places like in the US, Hollywood and all that, everybody, they ask you a first question, what is your drug of choice? In fact, let's flip that question for a second. They ask you, what is your demon? In Wall Street, they ask you, what is your demon? In fact, they feel everybody must have something called a signature sin. So your signature sin, if it's women, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we can live with that. If it's, if it's drink or wine, we, we can live with that. If it's drug, we can live with that. So everybody has somehow adjusted to this world of, of brokenness. Where you'd rather move yourself to where God wants you to be, wholeness. You move your idea of God to this place where you want to coexist in brokenness. God meets us where we are, but he will never leave us the same way. And if your journey with God is not breaking the concepts of your life and bring you to a place of wholeness, that journey has never truly started. Okay, let's go. All right. It has take us not back, please. You know, today I try to discipline myself because there's a lot so that I can stay within the framework. It's a war. Because it's some it's days... You want to just, but I cannot guarantee you how, how far we will last on this. Let's pretend we are doing fine. All right. Okay, so at the end of the day, I was, I was, going, to talk about, um, I was going to talk about how this meaning can be manufactured or how people say manufacture meaning. But in Christ, we don't manufacture meaning. We discover meaning. So how can this possibly be? Step back for a second. I'll ask you four questions, all right? Four questions that I think, if you don't answer those questions today, they cannot help you clarify. Um, if you answer those questions, you can clarify your meaning. But this is something I stopped. This one hit me this morning. All right? So when I read, when I read about um, meaninglessness as vapor, it clicked in my head that it was a life of meaninglessness. It was a life that was lacking a certain kind of breath. So there was a lack of essence so there was a loss of substance. Now, let me remind you guys. If meaninglessness is a loss of vapor, is a loss of breath, a loss of substance, let's backtrack to at what point in time did God impute breath into man? At what point in time? Creation. So see it in Genesis 2-7. God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All right? So the breath of God brought life into man. Now, check something else. In Genesis 2, 7, see what played out here. The devil came to, to Eve and he said, 
But we must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good. I mean, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God was telling if, if giving them the, the, the instruction that if you eat from this tree of good and evil, you will surely die. Now, check what the devil did. The devil took that in and said, in Genesis 3 verse 4, he told Eve, no, you will not certainly die. That qualifier there, certainly, is not saying you will not die. He's saying there's a kind of death. There's, there's, there's a death you die that is not like the kind God is saying. But he put, and the serpent said to the woman, you, can, you will not certainly, you said, you will not certainly die. But there's something he was planting in her mind. Now, when they ate the fruit, did they die? Track with me. Did they die? Now, therein lies the deposit the for meaning. All right? This question, they ate the fruit, but they did not exactly die physically. But there was a death that they died to spiritually. That essence, that breath that God had put into them, they, they lost it. And when they lost that breath, they lost meaning. Because that breath of God within every man is meaning. And once that breath left, it was a God-shaped void. So, everyone is looking for breath. You know, I was explaining to somebody today that, you know, the new, this our generation, they call us data natives. Because when you are not with data, you're almost having withdrawal syndrome. You know, so just imagine sitting down, one hour conversation, people will be touching, no, all phones, please, drop it on the table. My phone, so you just find people like withdrawals. Why? You see firsthand when an attachment has been built to a device, you're seeing what is playing out there. So the loss of breath in every man is first the loss of meaning. So when Adam died, it wasn't just the spirit of Adam. He lost meaning. He lost purpose. He lost identity. He lost worth. He lost significance. He lost love. All of, the, all of these things are part of what God has called to reclaim. So when we become born again, our journey is not that he has restored our soul. That is one thing. He's recovering meaning. He's recovering identity. He's recovering ad purpose. So our walk with God becomes a journey of restoration and salvation. Why? He has saved us, but there is a salvation that is, and there is a salvation that is becoming. So spiritually established, you're saved. Positionally, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But in the day-to-day -day trenches of your life, you're recovering meaning. You're recovering identity. You're recovering your self-worth. And that's what renewing your mind means. It means deconstructing that which had defined you according to the patterns of the world and begin to accept who you are now in Christ. So that's the breath. But see what, see what that breath translates into. First of all, Moses was speaking. So when I said Adam and Eve died spiritually, but physically they lived because it takes less than death to kill a man. And that which dies in you while you are alive is what is even more important. Some people die at 25, but they are buried at 75. So it's a 50 years life of existence, but not living. People have misunderstood. The fallen man cannot tell the difference between living and existence. Existence is what Tope was saying, that for a season of her life, she was just waking up to life. Life was happening to her. But it was just live, sleep, eat. Live to eat, eat to live. Like, just enjoy life in that way. Are you existing or living? Meaning is, the, is, is that source that changes the equation for you. If your life has no meaning, you're just existing. Again, if your life has been subscribed to the wrong meaning, you're also potentially just existing. Because the true essence of life is found in the one in John 10, 10 who says, I am life and I give life abundantly. 
So our meaning, first of all, is starts with Christ coming into our lives. But the restoration of the Spirit was also the restoration of meaning. So check about check what Moses Moses had said. Go to the next. Um, see what Moses said. Moses said to them, "Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit on them." Now. Moses was saying something. I wish that the lost people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Don't forget that up until this time, the spirit had departed. Man was just carcass. Man was just dust, living through the motions, but never having the spirit. And because of the brokenness of culture, the spirit could not dwell in a man. The spirit could only come upon. So even the spirit of Solomon, the, the, the wisdom Solomon operated in was a borrowed, was a, the wisdom he operated in was a borrowed wisdom. So he didn't have the spirit of wisdom, but he had the gift of wisdom. And there's a difference. Because in, the, in, in Colossians, we see that Christ has now been made unto us what our wisdom. So in our own context, wisdom is not a gift, it's a person. So that spirit of wisdom puts context to it. So he, he had something, but he didn't have the full source of it. Even at that time, David, as powerful as he was, David could have God come upon him from time to time. The spirit could come upon him from some time to time, but the spirit did not always dwell. And that, that's not the context in which we live. So we cannot be meaningless. If we understand this very fact about our lives that we have now come to receive. So Joel was talking about it. He said, in the last days, I will pour my spirit on all flesh and my sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men. He was talking about the revisitation of the spirit. The bread that was lost will now come back to every man. And when that bread comes back, meaning comes back, purpose comes back. But if we don't optimize our life in the spirit, we'll never uncover meaning. If we don't optimize our spiritual life, we'll never uncover purpose. If we don't optimize our spiritual life, we'll never uncover love. We will always borrow from culture to define who we are. And don't forget, culture is broken. It's a falling world. Solomon had it all good. Better than most of us would, even in the context of life. Dangote had nothing on him. Put the things he has on scale. This guy pale everything into insignificance. And yet, the man was deeply depressed, deeply broken, and he was thought to be wise. The, the, his bed was all with roses and nothing could hold. I mean, he could... I don't know if you guys have been to a stripper's club. You want to help us understand how it works? Because this man had been, this man had it all. So if your own is to go and peep and come out, and you're joining, Solomon had, Solomon had, he had chambers. He had all types and shades and colors. He had put them into compartments. And yet, he was deeply broken, deeply empty, without meaning and without purpose. Nothing can satisfy our hearts if we don't find rest and hope in God. And if your Christian work is still in the place where you are subscribing to meaning from culture, you will remain broken. You're putting your life on a treadmill where you constantly chase after things that are meant to chase after you. All right, so think about it. In John 20, verse 22, he said, He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive here the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Now, this was Jesus. He was speaking before Acts. He told them, Receive the Spirit, but nothing happened. So, when the Spirit came back, there was two things that was actually restored when the Spirit came. There was the restoration of the breath and the restoration of language. But I feel that I know somehow that the Spirit had, when he said this, there was an activation that happened. Or there was a deposit, but no activation. So, what played out in Acts was an activation. People think that the language was the only proof. But when, they, when he said to them, yeah, nobody busted out singing any language. So, even if you don't think you are speaking the language, you still have this. The Spirit is already in you. Alright? So don't let your, your inability to break the logic of entering into the flow of the language. Limit your, your, your optimizing this part of your life. So at the end of the day, they lost, in Genesis chapter 3, they lost the spirit, the breath. In Genesis 11, they lost the language. But in Acts, 
They both came on the same day. Alright? But people don't understand that the breath of the spirit is the essence, is the substance of man. The very essence of your life is you. So when Adam fell, the first thing he did when he heard the voice of God was what? He became afraid and he pulled himself out. Before now, when he, when he, if, he, if he ever got to hear the voice of God, what he would rush out. They say God will come in the cool of the evening to spend time and fellowship with him. But the falling and the broken man's response to God is flight. But those who are now called sons, our response to God is what? Run to him. So God is not looking for perfect sons because why? He's not expecting you to be perfect. He's the answer to your imperfection. So why would he expect you to give what you can't have? The falling man cannot give you that. So the falling man cannot give righteousness. Righteousness then has to be given to him as a gift. All right, let's go to the next. Now, discovering meaning. Meaning is not something we assign ourselves. It is something we discover in an intimate relationship with God. Meaning is not externally manufactured. It is an outflow of the union life. Now, when I said this, I said when Adam fell, what happened was he started to make fig, uh, use uh, leaves to make clothes. It is the preposition, is the disposition of a fallen man to always look for things around him to, to assign meaning. And God had to come and fix the problem, but he started to look around him. He had everything around him. You're trying to manufacture from outside you something God had initially put inside of you. Meaning begins when Jesus becomes the reason why you live it. So, if you're still dealing with depression here, you have a meaning challenge. And somewhere along the line, you may not know, in your, in your heart, Christ is Lord. But your mind has not been renewed to that reality that he's Lord over your life. So whenever you get to a point where the job doesn't come true, you're, you're deflated. Because the job is now your meaning. Whenever you get to the point where your relationship is not adding up, you go through crisis. You're not meant to. Because Christ is now your source and your sustainer. has to be your meaning. So the first thing you do is build on him. Let your foundation be who you are in him. Let's go to the next. I want to be quick here. This one plenty shall. My brother. Uh, meaning is found in Christ. Okay, let's go. Let's go. I want us to talk about if we can't find our true center in Christ, we'll be swinging like a pendulum ball, plagued by false hopes and failed aspirations. Until we make Christ our goal, our pursuit will always leave us with illusion at best and downright disappointment at worst. Instead of feeling enriched by the things we own, we'll be feeling stifled by them. So here is the thing. When your definition of worth, significance, and value comes from the things you own, they no longer, you no longer own them, they now own you. But if your worth is first in Christ, those things don't give, they give, you put context to them. They don't define you, you define them. Alright, let's go to the next. Now, four x-ray questions. The four x-ray questions I want us to settle before we close, and I'll close with this, is who am I? Alright? Why am I here? Or where, am I, where am I from? Why am I here? And where am I going? So the question of who am I is a question of identity. And it's very central to meaning. Because your identity and your meaning, they're very intricately linked together. Next, it is. So now, this is, this is I read this book a while ago called Abba's Child. Anybody read it? What are they read, Sha? You understand? I'll look for the e-copy and drop it in front of you if you can find it. But it was some time ago and the man said something. He said, define yourself as one beloved by God. He says, this is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Ponder on this for a second. Define yourself. The operative words there, radically loved by God. Every, through, every other identity is an illusion. So, if you have to profile yourself, yes, I'm a father, I'm a husband, um, I'm a brother. I'm a citizen. Patriotic one at that. 
if you have to put all these things together, at the end of the day, when you put all these things together, don't forget that what is central to you and what is fundamental to you, what is central and fundamental to you is that you are radically loved by God. Let that be the foundation of your worth. Let that be the foundation of your identity. Nothing should shake you out of that. If you don't feel love from him, you can easily be manipulated by insecurities. So how, is, how does the love of God help us here? If you know that you're loved by God, it's not something that you have attained on your own. The things that are meant to drive you away should drive you to him. All right? Because this love, you didn't earn it. And you must be humble. And when that humility comes into your heart, your response to everybody else will also be through the eyes of God. So you cannot, you know, we judge so badly. Like humans, we judge, but thank God God is not a man. Thank God he's not a man. Because we, you, you, our response to a man on the ground is, let's finish him, finish him. You understand? Meanwhile, you don't understand that with your words, you are ripping people apart. And yet in Romans 8.1, it says there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ. Because he keeps no record of your wrongs. He's looking at you, calling you to a place of wholeness. Already when already was praying, she referred to the woman that was caught in adultery. But if it were us, you would cast that first stone. I think God will even be careful this time. You know, he will say, if you have no sin, cast the first stone. Our generation, our self-righteousness runs deep. So we would, the first, the stone would have left your hand before you said, I, I didn't check. Because there's no capacity to reflect. So nobody knows them. They always, they can look past the pole in their own eyes and see the pole in your eye. That's how, you know, then he said, how can you let the pole in your eyes see through? Why? Because the love of God that is the transformative force of our lives have not settled in your heart. My prayer, again, as we journey through this session is, you find meaning in God's love for you. You find acceptance in God's love for you. So you're not trying to accept, you're not trying to end him. He's yours. Guess what? He took the initiative to come after us. It wasn't our idea. The, the, the man that is dead in sin, dead in trespasses, cannot for the life of him understand anything about pursuing God. He's dead in his trespasses. He needs, we need God's intervention. He broke into culture, came for us. You're worth that. So how is this your worth? Your worth is seen that if he could give his life for your life, you're worth something. You're worth the sacrifice. So don't let anybody tell you you're worthless. Don't let because you didn't get a job, you feel worthless. Because you didn't get a de- you didn't pass an exam, you don't have a degree, you feel worthless. Those things pale into insignificance in the context of his love. Radically loved by him. Reckless, they say, is the love. Recklessness is not a word that you use very lightly. When, you, when they call you reckless when we're growing up, reckless is reckless. Is reckless. My brother, if you're called resca- reckless is rascal. Yeah, but yeah, that's the word chosen radically beloved by him. Because that love can break your boundaries. If that weight of his love rests on you, you can never remain the same. My prayer is he will overshadow you indeed. All right. So again, I want to talk about son. So, you know, we, we talk about sonship here very much at the tribe. That when you find yourself as loved by God, your second identity is that you're a son of God. And as a son of God, understand something very clear. That God is your source, all right? And you're a son. So what? He has adopted you as a son. And guess what? Your life is now lived in the context of your father. A son doesn't exactly have an agenda outside his father's business. A son is already an extension of his father. So the father's heartbeat is the son's heartbeat. You cannot have a separate life, a life separate from your father. You now have his heart. You now have his passion. You now have his will. And he's now working in every son to will and to do his good pleasures. That's the beauty of sonship, that God is powering your every move. So I don't understand people that will tell me that I'm afraid of making mistakes. I say, don't even bother. Because as a son, so long as you have that union life, 
one with him, I'm only going to be worried about you if your intimacy is broken. I'm going to be worried about you if you don't invest time to cultivate the environment in which you can thrive. But if you have those two things, every option, every choice you make for him, he's in it. Whether you decide to do him here or do whether you decide to be at the tribe or go to House on the Rock, he's in your choice. Be free. Don't be in paralyzed. Don't be paralyzed here. Your choices of life should never be limited because of all of these things. That's what culture does to you. Try to limit you. Go wherever you be. And trust me, these boundaries are false. In God's mind, he doesn't see tribe. He doesn't see house on the rock. He doesn't see everything. He sees his body. These are only constructs of our minds. The only constructs, and they are deeper for some people. Do you know, people were fighting each other. I was like, when I see this, my friend, I'm like, my God, we are we jai. Like, but people are fighting, like, during, during this election, people are fighting each other. Like, supporting me and supporting them. And I'm like, when I sit down with these guys, we hug. We celebrate. It's not a war. But some people outside don't know how deep they are pressing on about it. They say, no, don't say that. But that's the tendency of human mind to build walls. And today, religion has created more walls than we fear. Denomination has weakened the body by pushing who we are not rather than who we are. Many people have chosen to define ourselves by who we are not. We cannot be known by what we hate. The proof of God in our life is that we are known by his love that we live. That's not your own basis of Christianity. I don't know what else should be. Okay, let's, let's, trap up, let's wrap up on this, yeah? Um, now, where am I from? Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, check this for a second. Why I need you to take away something from here? It ties very strongly to your identity, your value, and your meaning. So, think of it for a second. A product from a company. I think Samsung, they called back a phone two years ago. That one that was overheating. What was that model? Five. No, five. They had to call it back. And you know when they called it back, did they, did they ask you to pay for a new one? If you had bought that phone, as you were coming back to them, they were giving you another one that was functional or even your money back. Maybe in Nigeria, I don't know, I know our own process. So I don't know if it happened here fully, but in other parts of the world, people returned their own and nobody gave them warranty form. How many do you feel? Well, you know, nobody gave them that kind of biggie. So the point again is, at the end of the day, the manufacturers, Samsung had something to protect a brand because it was their image that was on that phone. And if that phone dysfunctions, they are, they, it, it comes to them. It's for their namesake that they fix the phone. So check this out. In Psalm 22, 22 verse 2 to 3. 23, 2 to 3 says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? His namesake. Think for a second. If Samsung would recall a dying phone because they had a name to protect, why won't your father? So on one level, understand you value something. It's not your, it's not your battle. It's this. So God is committed to your success. Because if you don't, if you dysfunction, it's him. It's, you carry his image. So he's, that's why you're worth the sacrifice. You know when Jesus told them, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God, give to God what is God. They never, it never clicked in their mind that they were made in the image and likeness of God. If they were giving the image of Caesar on a coin to Caesar, they were meant to give their lives, the image of, their, of God and their life to him. It didn't click for a second. But this morning, your worth is found in your manufacturer's eyes for you. He called it back to fix it. God is committed that every Samsung brand, they want it to work. Every iPhone brand, the way Steve Jobs used to unveil it, is magical. That was the same way when, when he made Adam. God, you know, when God saw Adam the first time, God did Barak. He saw him. God, you know, he said, 
he, 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 was, he was in awe of man. God was like, wow, this is good. God was excited at the first sight of man. And that's the definition of you first, not Genesis 3. If you continue to use the fall of man as your definition of what, your redemptive rights will never crystallize. You'll be always, you always live less than your redemptive benefits. Because Genesis 3 was, came, Genesis 2, he made you in the image and likeness. And he said, have dominion, be fruitful, subdue the earth. Yet, religion has taken Genesis 3, the fall of man, and made an industry. In fact, there was a book we wrote called Original Sin. Then after that, sinners in the hands of an angry God. So they, they drove home the point. They drove home that point. And entire, that's why American is polarized. Because a lot of their theology was built on sinners in the hands of an angry God. So the evangelicals cannot see beyond their... They don't understand kingdom. They are fighting. No, no, no. Vote like this. Vote like this. Vote like this. But why? But the love he has called you. Meanwhile, all these men, they were preaching sinners in the hands of the angry God. They had slaves. Industries of it. Yet, they, they, they would even read a, a scripture or two while they are flogging their slaves. They say, their slave, Paul told Onesimus, go back to your owner. Today you will receive 12 flags. So the love of God, the revelation of God they had could not bring them to a point where they could free themselves all right, from it. Let's go to the next. Where am I here? For we are God's handwork created in Christ Jesus. We created in Christ Jesus that we may do that, those good works with God, which God predestined. And everything has become new from God. He who has reconciled us to himself, the Messiah, has given us the reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. I'm dropping this thing here to give you the fact that you are in partnership with God on earth. Our job here is to reconcile men to him. So first of all, if you go to work, your job is not to earn salary. That is just a byproduct of why you're there. Your job is not first there in the marketplace. You are in the first emission field. So understand that those people, so you cannot go to work and begin to dissect people through your, with your tongue. And decimate them. Why? Because you're not understanding that your light, your salt, your words is meant to inspire and bring hope. So you must be the source of encouragement in your place of work. Everyone who is broken, say, I don't tire. Don't, don't say, me too. <laughs> no, you don't form a pity party and then sit down and say, let's catch up after drink. And you dissect all your bosses. That one with his big head. Scatter brain. They dissect everybody. You understand? But that is not the call. We're not called to act like that. There is a, there's an agenda we have subscribed to, to love and serve God and to love and serve others. If all you do is serve yourself, you know the truth, as painful and as strange as this will sound, you'll be of all men most miserable because the human, God didn't design us to serve self. Our greatest fulfillment is found in service to God and to others. So whenever we come in, we are not seeking to take, to contribute. Wherever we come, we're, not, we're, we're trying to give, not always about what do I have to get. When you get, your hands are closed. But when you give, they're open. And when he sees it open, he will give you more than you can ever imagine. So of us, we, we, if we break into generosity, we'll assess greater des destiny. That you're just one generosity away from a breakthrough. But your limiting mindset of culture, of being owning, you know, owning and owning, doesn't add up for us. Alright, the last one I'll say is, where am I going? You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, follow it whether it turns to the right or to the left. As sons, understand clearly that you already have the Spirit of God inside of you. And that Spirit is leading you every step of the way. Learn to live life from there. But you know, sometimes when we face issues, we don't take our time to reflect. So not, not sometimes when people want me to answer something, I'll tell them, give me a day. Because I need to go spend some time to just process it, reflect and pray. I just always need to do that. Sometimes I know the answer, but I need to check, discern it. 
now we discern as we go through life. So you cannot live life from outside. It's not the opinion of your aunt or uncle all the time. Always go to God first and tell uncle, this is what God is saying to me first. And tell uncle, pray with me. Now, I put this one here. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I'm saying this to say, as we are going, God is not giving us solo. So even while you have to hear God, he puts us in community to confirm. So it says in the, council, in the, in the community of counselors, there is safety. So if only you, nobody can talk to you. Only you, you have figured out life. I don't know that that's where we're going on. So you cannot, you cannot, that autonomy, in as much as we have the spirit of, we have, we have the spirit of God, we're in community. So I'm checking. I'm calling already. Actually, what do you guys think? Can we, what are we sensing? We're praying. I ask Lily, what do you think about this? And every time I discuss with them, we expand some more. We learn even more from that. But when you begin to work with God, you understand that guidance is not always something God gives. It's something God does. May this unpack for you as you go home. Because I will not go too much into it. It's something God does as you go through. So it's not about sitting down here, pink or blue, pink or yellow, 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 yellow. The point is that in God, don't, and whenever you get to a point, and you're like, should I, is it Akara or Moi Moi? God is not that mundane. God is not that mundane. At the point, it, he has given you a will. And trust me, you understand, if you learn to you listen to your heart, why would I love to go? I mean, I, I love rock music, yeah? And why? Because somehow along the line, somebody shaped my influence with rock music. So if I meet somebody that likes Jollof, and there are many, all right, I will not undermine that person's choice because of mine. Those are preferences. God is not about preferences. Preferences are your, within the purview of your will. Within the purview of your own will, but he walks in you to will now. What he does is change your heart. So when he crystallizes your heart, your motives are pure. So you're not responding out of a place of fear. You're not responding out of a place of self. So if you're loving somebody, you're not loving somebody because you want to sleep with them. That the, day you, the reason why you gave her a lift to Aja in traffic was because you, you had an intention. You know, that is not what it is. Alright, so let's, let's wrap up on this. Now, these are three powerful quotes I wanted to I'll wrap up with. But don't forget what I'm saying here. Meaning is found in words our intimate relationship with God. As we renew our minds, our meaning increases. Because sometimes you know it in your heart, but your head has not quite crystallized it. Or you might know some of it in your head, but your heart has not set in the reality of it. So you need to renew your mind to align. So for us, that's where we're struggling. Our minds have not taken hold of that which we have received in the Spirit. Alright? Because you can receive a revelation today in your heart. Your heart has somehow cannot articulate it. it for you to render it in your mind, some people, it took, takes two years. They are still processing that revelation. He loves me. He loves me. You have not arrived. So, this is what John Piper said. He said, God is most glorified in us. Let's read it together. God is most glorified in us. We are most satisfied in him. Pause for a second. Nothing can give you full satisfaction but God. So, let God be your meaning. Let him be your significance. Let him be the definition of your value. When you've built on that, everything else that you put on it will not own you will not add to you, but you control them. So, keep this at the back of your mind. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Secondly, see what Seth Augustine said in his book, Confessions. You should read it. Because that guy was one guy that saw, he saw the new. Even while he was a Catholic priest, he saw the new. He said, our heart is restless until it rests in you. 
You will not find rest if he's not first your rest. You must find rest in him and then you can pick up from there. The God-shaped void in our hearts is the definition of meaning. Only he can feel it. Alright? The last one, if there is no, if there is no, Rabbi Zachariah said this, he said, if there is no larger meaning to life, then life is without a driving force, without overall substance or explanation. Rabbi is giving you context. Because you meet all these um, people who believe in Scientology, they will tell you of how the cosmic accident brought about the tadpoles. Tadpoles now morph into... That, that doesn't even make sense on many levels. Because if at all... You know, I used to tell them, then I had time for this argument. I'll be saying that if at all we were in an evolutionary process, there should be an, a morphing of some sort going on. So if you cannot see what they call the missing link, at least McFoy should have been looking more ambidextrous. You now know that, oh, Foy, are you evolving too? Amorphous? You understand? No, there should be some. So man was, when you look at intelligent design, God was detailed in everything he built. Like if you have to displace the sun by an inch, the entire galaxy will implode. But he's holding everything with the word of his power. God is deliberate, so should you. Your life was never an accident. Our life is not a meaningless circle of events, of going through life. He purposed us for now. On Sunday, we spoke about how he even predestined that we'll all be here at the same time, learning the things that he wants to do in us, shaping our lives. As you are learning this, you will grow in faith, you will grow in love, you grow in rest. If you find your meaning in God, you will not be restless. A bad day for you is just a, a perspective away. So you are not going to be burdened by that. Like, I didn't get the job, my life is over. You know you're worth more than that job. In fact, it's their loss, not yours, that they didn't take you. Because you were bringing something that they didn't have to that place. So don't feel less than you are because you, somebody has set a parameter that is not even confined. That's culture, not Christ. Christ, yourself actualized. You are not going through Abraham, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're not today, food. Then after food, shelter. Self-esteem, love. Sex, sex is where? Before self-esteem. That's a broken man's model. Then by the time you're not journey, journey, you're not come and say, now I'm self-actualized. Let's do a few charity works. Rubbish. Rubbish. In Christ, we're already self-actualized. He turned it upside down. So he gets us to give, not because we're waiting to achieve. We're not climbing a ladder. We're already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You understand? Sex does not define us. We define it. We, you know, we use it for procreation. We use it for, it's a gift. It's our father's design. You're all going to wait till you're married. So, so at the end of the day, it's the Father's design. But you don't put, take it out. We have the context. So for a meaning today, just whisper a prayer. The Father, if there are areas in my life where I'm still struggling to find my identity, my identity is still in my car, it's still in my degree, it's still in my profile, it's still in my family, all of those things. They are nice to have, but they are not the base for which you are. So put God first on the foundation and then everything else can come on, the, on, the, on, the, on top of that. If your meaning is still in your salary on your bank account, and the day God is telling you, empty that bank account, you hear the demon say, get thee behind me, Lord. Because your mind, that is your worth. He needs to expand your mind so you can accommodate that which he wants to give. So, Father, we're just praying this. Father, you help us to find our meaning in you, our worth in you, our value in you, our significance, our identity, that the events of life will not define us. That the circumstances of our lives, that which we have or don't have, cannot define us. 
So suppose for a second, I, we, I remember we asked this question here at the tribe. The, a doctor plunged himself into Third Mainland Bridge two years ago, last year, early last year. A doctor pulled over, told his driver, I need to pee. And the next thing, he jumped into the lagoon, and that was the end of him. And he was coming from what church? The pain for me is, what is that thing that has so defined you that if you lose it today, it will make your life not worth living? What is that thing that you're pursuing so hard that if you fail to achieve it today, your life becomes meaningless? Meaning is Christ. You already have him. Meaning grows with the intimacy we have with the Holy Spirit. We already have him. As we renew our minds, we'll come into the full understanding of that. Amen. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless.